I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome back to today's episode of Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. We're broadcasting today live from a library, the Marmalade branch of the Salt Lake City Library System. It today is doubling as a polling location just down the street from Broadcast House. This library, uh, just upstairs from where I sit right now, folks are coming and going and casting their ballot as Utah, for the first time in history, participates as a primary state on Super Tuesday. It's an important thing, uh, and it means a lot. Uh, there are a lot of uh, things that happen as a result of being one of these Super Tuesday states, even uh, with the relatively smaller number of delegates uh, we have here in Utah to hand out. What does it mean? Well, we've seen uh, a number of candidates come visit us here in the state who have otherwise, uh, you know, not stopped by. Uh, Mayor Pete Buttigieg, he... Uh, at, Although he has suspended his campaign, he came, uh, uh, drew a crowd of some 4,500 here in Salt Lake City. Uh, Also, Amy Klobuchar came and visited just yesterday morning. But then you remember what happened 90 minutes later, right? She said, eh, I am not going to continue this effort of mine. So she pulled out. Uh, Also, we have been visited by Mike Bloomberg who was here uh, not too long ago, he making a stop here in uh, Salt Lake City. Uh, Now, we're going to speak later on with a representative from the Elizabeth Warren campaign. I would point out that uh, Elizabeth Warren, while she has been here uh, to the state of Utah, she hasn't visited in in almost a year. It was uh, April of last year, the last time she uh, visited the great state of Utah and made a public appearance. Anyway, that's just what happens when you are a Super Tuesday state. Think way back before we got ourselves involved in this on Super Tuesday, the day when a third of all delegates will be handed out around the country. Uh, These candidates weren't stopping by. Another thing, this Super Tuesday involvement here on the part of Utah has caused is uh, some spending. Mike Bloomberg has spent uh, about two and a quarter million dollars on ads here in the state of Utah. You've heard them here on these airwaves. So I'm uh, (laughs) very selfishly grateful for that. Thanks a lot, Mike. Uh, You've seen his ads elsewhere. Uh, There are television ads that play. You see uh, targeted ads on your social media, all of them coming to you from uh, Mike Bloomberg. That's not cheap. It costs a lot. Uh, And to help me understand what uh, money means to these uh, campaigns and if it actually can buy support, uh, I've invited a political science professor from Utah State University, uh, Damon Cantu, in, to join me here on the program. Professor, sir, I'm grateful to you for, for making some time for us. How are you? I'm doing great, Lee. Thanks for having me on. Outstanding. L- let, me, let me first ask you, we, we had a poll released recently uh, by the Deseret News in conjunction with the Hinckley Institute of Politics, which made it known that Mike Bloomberg, after spending two and a quarter million dollars here in the state, uh, had earned 19 per- 19.9% uh, of support among likely Democratic primary voters here in the state. Uh, in your estimation, do you think those folks are lining up behind the former mayor of New York City uh, because they're ideologically in line or because they were bombarded uh, by these purchased advertisements? 
That's a great question. Uh, a lot of the ads that Bloomberg has been running have not been focused on Bloomberg's policy positions or even his ideology. Instead, Bloomberg's campaign message in Utah has been largely focused on uh, promoting himself as someone who he believes uh, and wants uh, voters to believe can beat Donald Trump in the general election. And uh, that's been largely the extent of his campaign. Uh, so, uh, as is sometimes the case in primary elections, rather than having uh, messages driven by ideology or policy positions, uh, in a lot of ways his campaign has been personality-driven and uh, really been as much about Trump as anything. I have asked uh, m myself a, a number of times as the, the various candidates have uh, hosted rallies uh, or events here in the state of Utah, and on the few occasions where I've had uh, the opportunity to speak to them directly, one of my questions has been, and of course you know how they're going to answer, but th the fundamental question remains, uh, are you as a candidate asking me uh, to vote for you or against Donald Trump? And uh, I think the tactic by and large, uh, at, at least the the, the the unspoken tactic uh, by so many of the candidates right now is a vote against uh, Donald Trump. Exactly. Uh, the uh, the polls nationally and in Utah both show a lot of issues on uh, voters' minds in this primary election. On the Democratic side, you see issues like health care and you see issues like uh, the environment and climate change. But uh, survey after survey shows that the number one priority on the minds of Democratic voters in this primary season is which candidate is most likely to be able to unseat Trump. And so rather than uh, focusing on standing for something, uh, many of these candidates are burnishing their credentials on how well they could run against Trump. Is that a, is that a misstep? Uh, or is it the way to get this job done? And is it simply a question of who can shout the loudest that they are best suited to take down President Trump? <laughs> Boy, that's a great question. You know, I think uh, a lot of the question, uh, a lot of that uh, remains to be seen. We know that in a general election, it's almost never enough. Uh, to just be against the other person, but that you need to offer something as a candidate yourself. And so uh, one would think that, uh, that the candidates in this Democratic primary would at least want to be showing to voters that they have the ability to make the case uh, positively uh, for what they can offer the country rather than just who can be the most aggressive uh, in an anti-Trump kind of stance. Uh, uh, and and I'm, I'm not, you know, some of the candidates we're seeing that from, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders certainly uh, articulates a policy vision uh, for the future of the United States. Uh, but even that has become a matter of, of question and a point of contention in the debates, uh, because uh, some Democrats are concerned that it's uh, a, a stretch too far ideologically uh, for mainstream American voters to support. Uh, the the kinds of, of issues that Bernie Sanders is espousing. Yeah. Let me ask you now about endorsements. We're speaking to uh, Damon Can, professor at the Political Science Department of Utah State University. We, yesterday, well, the past 24 hours, much has changed. The landscape amongst Democratic candidates has changed dramatically over the past 24 hours. Uh, after Joe Biden's uh, win in South Carolina, there's essentially been a reshuffling of the deck chairs. A number of the candidates have uh, withdrawn from the race, and uh, Mayor Pete, uh, Senator Amy Klobuchar, and 
others have thrown their support now behind uh, Joe Biden. Do, do endorsements matter? You know, uh, endorsements don't have a tremendous effect uh, in the literature that we've seen. Uh, and the, the existing research suggests that that doesn't always carry a lot of weight. Voters usually want to make up their own mind rather than having someone else make up their mind for them. What I think really does matter here, though, is that the field has winnowed. Uh, if you had kind of the, the traditional Democratic base still split between uh, Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar uh, and Joe Biden, uh, then it makes it much more difficult uh, for those uh, Democrats of that mold to come together behind just one candidate. Uh, now I think uh, that, that folks have stepped back and dropped out of the race. It gives a better chance to take the temperature of the Democratic Party uh, on where they stand in terms of, of Bernie Sanders' agenda versus the kinds of agenda that traditional Democrats uh, have been advocating for in recent years. Sure. And likely represented by, represented by uh, Joe Biden at present. Yes. Uh, so, uh, I, I think, uh, you know, uh, Bloomberg's kind of this interesting insurgent figure. Uh, you know, he's, he's been a mayor, but he uh, doesn't have the same kind of tenure uh, experience and time of service put in in the Democratic Party uh, that Joe Biden has. And uh, I think what we've seen in the last uh, 24, uh, 48 hours is uh, candidates uh, uh, and, and establishment figures from the Democratic Party coming together and right. saying, look, uh, option one is Bernie Sanders and option two needs to be one person rather than four people. Uh, so, so that uh, we can get a sense of, of what the direction that Democratic voters want to see the Democratic Party go uh, in the next four years. Absolutely. Damon Can, uh, political science professor with Utah State University. Sir, I'm grateful to you for making time for us and, and having this conversation with me here on this Super Tuesday. Glad to do it. Thanks for having me on, Lee. Outstanding. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll be speaking with former Massachusetts Governor Bill Weld. Also, the invitation remains for you to give me a call, 801-575-7668, 801-575-7668. I want you to call in. I want you to take 15 seconds and make a pitch for the candidate of your choosing. At the end of the show today, I'll play those back here on the air as we continue this episode of Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.